Don't be shy, cause I, life won't bring you down too far. This is Coogan Cassis for Eiffel TV in association with MTK Global. Uh, fight one of fight week, week one at Matchroom Fight Camp has just been completed. Uh, victorious Jordan Gill, a very jubilant looking Dave Caldwell. Um, yeah, the plan go to plan? Yeah, pretty much so. It's Jordan's concentration levels and his, his boxing brain were on point tonight and it had to be because Reese Bellotti can punch, mate. You know, he's a he's known. We've just had we've just had Jim McDonald come, and he didn't have to say that, but he just spoke to Jordan, just explained about how Reese knocks people out with 16 out of gloves on in sparring. You know, and knocks them out. He's, he's a he's a world level, world class puncher. And that's the respect that we gave him before the fight. Um, and Jordan had to keep it simple, had to keep it, keep it skillful, nullify whenever Reese got into danger zone, because you don't you don't give a a, a puncher of that sort one split second you know one one shot can just turn turn the fight around completely um so i'm very proud of him for for the way that he, he he stuck to the plan the way that he kept his concentration levels the way that he didn't fall for anything um and on the back of the um 18 months that he's had brilliant I did see you and, and Jim McDonnell and Jordan having, it seems, a really kind of touching conversation. What else did Jim say to you guys? Um, just he really rates Jordan. He thought he was absolutely brilliant. His boxing skills, his defence, he thought he was, he was brilliant. You know, Jim's been around and, you know, he's created world champions and, you know, he, he's had skillful fighters like your James Gales and people like that. And he was really, really, really um, appreciative of Jordan's skills. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm very proud of him. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing. I'm really happy. Uh, extremely credible name now on uh, Jordan's record to add to whoever else's fault but um, in Reese Bellotti. But who's next? I did ask him earlier. Uh, he wants to maybe take that step up to European level now. That's what, that's, we've been after the European title for a while. That was the, that was the path that we wanted to go down. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's the path that, as, as far as I know, you know, we uh, spoke with Eddie about. And now I think Eddie will, will give him... That, that was a big thing for him. He's had a nightmare time. You know, people, people write him off after the Tinoco fight. You know, he was ill in that fight. He was, but he made the wrong decisions. And that's what I always said. I always trekked this fight. And, and, and ever since that fight, I said, you know, it's not a case of we just think, oh, he only lost because of that. Don't worry about it. We he made wrong decisions. We, we worked on improving. Worked on on, on in, in the whole package as a fighter, and and then for him to to fall ill and to have the issue that he had, I didn't think he was in a box again. So you don't understand how much pressure's off with that win. I am honestly, I'm all at the moon. We always used to seeing you emotional around your oh, fighters because you, it, it, we know it means so much to you as well. Oh, fucking hell. Um, just because I know what it means to him. It's just that I know what it means to him. He's had a torrid time. It's been really, really hard. And, um, you know, these are, these are family. You know? It's not just, not just my fighter. Um, it's family. And when they're under it, I feel under it. And that was a lot on him. Plus coming out, I know it's great. It looks great with all, all the setup and everything. Um, 
but it were weird. <laughs> it were weird walking to the ring. I, I said, <coughs> I tried to mimic it in sparring, you know, no music, no nothing. I tried to say that, um, um, uh, you know, this is how it's going to be, but, but you can't, you can't say to him what it's going to be until you experience it. But he handled it really well. Do you know that guy as well? His dad, his dad is the nicest person you'll ever meet. It's just, it's just been so hard. And, you know, I've seen your fighter get written off. He was ill. He was a fucking idiot for not telling me he was ill. But it happened. He made the wrong decisions and he got beat. But to come back from that, I love fighters that come back from hardships. You know, everyone can, can be unbeaten and, and, and not have hardships and, and walk into world title shots and things like that. That's great. Great. Take your opportunities. I don't knock anybody for doing that. But to come back from losses, you know. The story with Tony Bellew, you know, coming back from his losses and, and, and the way that he came through and everyone writing him off and things, you know, and then you see where he got. They're the, they're the stories, you know. I've, I've dealt, you know, with Curtis Woodhouse where everybody wrote him off and Ryan Rose, everybody wrote him off. They're the stories, mate. I love, I love this sport for what it can do. Absolutely. Right, I'm going to let you crack on because I know that you have a couple of days back and then you're back again. One day, yeah, I've got one day back. I'm going to see my family tomorrow um, and come back and get... Yeah, that stick rammed up my nose again and in the back of my throat and get get um get Hopi Price on next week. This is what we live for. It is, mate, it is. And do you know what? I've got to say, listen, it's not kissing arse, it's saying what it is. This is an unbelievable setup. You just you see little clips on Instagram and stuff like that, and then you come here and you just see it and you think, fucking hell. You know, it's it, it's unbelievable what they've done. And and you know, I'm 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 proud for Jordan. I'm proud as a coach to to have a fighter on this uh, on this uh, fight camp series. Never mind having the fi the fight that kicks it off. So yeah, it's brilliant, brilliant. Dave Corwell, congratulations! Great win for Jordan, and uh, yeah, we'll definitely catch up with you again in this bubble we're going to be in for the foreseeable future. See you next week. Oh, thanks a lot for everybody for support and and for the comments and and things like that and supporting Jordan and throughout his career. Appreciate that. Thank you. Top man, thank you very much, David Corwell. As early as about eight or nine, um, I started boxing, um, just fell in love with it really. Um, I remember going to the gym the first day, I was really overweight, and I remember putting a few kids over because it's the size difference, and they're I just loved it from then on and then my brother started coaching me when I was about 13, 14 and then we took things to a different level. I wasn't the best because I was overweight like I said, um, I lost about three on the bounce and my dad said it was on the way to the fourth the fourth one which would have been the fourth on the bounce, it's on the way there and my dad said listen if you lose this one just forget it and maybe give it a break. And I looked at him and thought is he being serious and we got there and I didn't stop throwing punches for three rounds um, and then I went on and won around 20, 25 fights on the bounce uh, without losing. I didn't start till I was about 20, and then I had a couple of walk, a few walk collar, and then I sparred a few pro, and it's just, just, it just propelled from there, really. Away from being there, because I was a bit of a, in trouble a lot, uh, with the police, that kind of stuff. Bad, going down a bad path, pub fighting, things like that, um, and boxing took me away from that. Boxing and my partner combined uh, took me away from that, really. I would have loved if I'd have had something brought into my PE at school with boxing or something like that, or someone even coming and talk to us about, because you can learn so much from it, discipline mainly, and that's what we all need as young kids, discipline. So an average day would be, I'd come in here, first thing I'd get in early, um, do my session, watch the boys train, like Carl, Jack Castro and all, all the other fighters in here, top fighters, learn. So we call this university and then I go university straight after as well. Um, so yeah, it's just learning all day. 
Yeah, I'm uh, just completed my second year at university, um, studying sports science. Um, but obviously now boxing's taking off, so um, we might have to give that a little break, or you know, we're going to see. Technically, I've, I've prepared for a fight abroad. Two fights I've prepared for um, in America. Um, my, third, my third fight and my fourth fight. The third one was in Philadelphia, where I got some world-class fighting out there with Carl and others. And again in Vegas in December time. Um, so it's just experiences that I can put in the bank that some prospects can you know, never even dream of having until they get to that level themselves. So I'm blessed to be in the position that I am. I just want to thank Carl and Jamie for the opportunities. Everyone thinks he's only had five fights, he's stepping up to an eight-rounder after only having a four-rounder last time. It's a big jump. It is, but I've had some experiences that some prospects couldn't even dream of having. I've, I boxed a fighter who was, he's boxed at light middleweight, so four or five weights above me. Um, and then after me, he's gone on and won everything, he's not lost a fight. I got dropped in my third fight. Um, again, boxing area champion in my fourth fight. So I've been in there with some experienced guys. So. I've got all the experiences in the bank and yeah, I might have only boxed a four-rounder last time. I'm only have, I've only had five fights and my opponent uh, might think that I'm inexperienced, but I'm not. I'm actually very experienced. I've never felt any nerves at all until I got into your corner. They said, that's it, time you've got to go now. And I thought, well, and it hit me and I could see everyone I sold tickets to. And that I'll never forget that. That night was a great night, but that opened my eyes and gave me experience. Um, yeah, it was, it was an amazing show, amazing night. I've become good friends with Connor since. Um, and yeah, it's uh, I ain't got, even though people think, oh, I'm not knocked down, Scott. I ain't got, it's not, I ain't got a bad word to say about it. It's great for me. It's made me a better boxer, a better person. It's just uh, all in all, I'm going to take any positives from any of my losses. Yeah, I won a Midlands area against an undefeated lad, um, which was a local derby, which was great, really. Um, in his backyard, and I beat him, took his own. Won the Midlands title and that was, I could have retired that night quite easily because that was emotionally and everything, I just, I'd got what, I got what I wanted out of boxing there. Been the, I've got a lot of, a few losses, um, I've been the opposition and it does make, but the confidence when I look at that, I think I can turn up, when I do turn up and when I put my effort in, I wanted that title and they weren't, you know, it don't matter who was in the ring that night, I was going to win it. Um, and I just, if I can take bits of that when I look at the photo and that helps me every day, every day. It was a crazy, crazy one. It was weird, um, but just soaked it up really. Enjoyed, you know, enjoyed it. I know the result and what happened wasn't what meant to be, but it was a weight above. Um, it's a big puncher at the weight, um, and I just, I knew a lot of people said to me it's a dangerous fight. I knew it was, but you know, not many people get to fly out to Saudi Arabia. All the experience of the whole moving around different country, meeting different, it's all experience, and it just adds into a bank of where I've got quite a lot of experience in that bank now, to be fair. So I had a great camp, um, and for me, it was the best performance as a professional fighter. Um, I was relaxed, I was calm, I had no, I didn't, because I went down in the third fight, I'd learned from that, the mistakes I made, and improved, and in the fourth fight, um, against Jamie Spate, box probably my best, and he'd, he'll tell you that, you know, himself. <laughs> I'm not bothered where I box or who I box, but the big stage, people then who know me get to see, and that's my, so now I can come back and I'm a new fighter, I'm a totally different fighter. It's three weights lighter for a starter, I'm fighting at. Um, he hasn't got a knockout record like Conor Ben. 
I haven't got a knockout record, but we're both forward fighters. Um, it's going to be a great fight, and if I can be part of a great fight, and if I can put my little part in the history and come away, because I'm going there to win a 100%, uh, and it's the best Kane Baker that's going to be going there. It's got, it's got more positives for me, a lot more than the English. But the, but the main thing is the, is the stage, isn't it? And, and coming back off the corona, we're all gagging for sport. And then maybe more so and the fact of shows with audiences are gonna be a while away. This is I gotta be realistic, this has gotta be this is this is my English title now. Kane Baker's a tough, tough guy, I respect him, he's a good fighter. Um, but I believe I'm going to stop and if if he's in the way, he's in the way and uh, we've got to get him out of the way. In my head and in my opinion, he's thinking this young kid stepping up from four rounds. Um, jumping into an eight-rounder with himself as an experienced professional, um, which he is. Um, he's underestimating me, I think, if he thinks that, because uh, I box at the highest level as an amateur boxer representing the country. Um, I'm in here sparring with world-class, elite-level fighters that have won numerous world titles, um, so I can't see him bringing anything to the table. And uh, like I say, I respect him because um, he can say what he wants. He's watched me, um, and I know he has. And um, if he thinks that he's a banana skin and that's fine, but um, that, that's fine. I, I can't really say much more than that. But I believe that he can watch as much of me as he wants and I can watch as much as as much of him as I want. When we get in there on the night, it's a different story. It is more 50-50 than normal because of the situation. Uh, and he's going to have a shock on Fortnite, how 50-50 it's going to be when I'm, when I'm in his face for eight rounds. And I've watched him and I, normally I watch him for a second and I've watched him and I, I'm going to keep watching him and I'm going to uh, I'm going to improve my game to beat his game, uh, and that's that's what it's going to be. It's a new, totally different kind of baker. He's got a. I've been the opponent many a time now. I've been the the one who's going to get knocked out. I've been the one who's got a fought the wrong way. I've been working. This now is totally different me. I wouldn't fight me at the minute. No way. Definitely not. Um, yeah, I can see why though. They, I'm gonna come forward. I've, I've got some decent names. If he beats me. Which he, he should, he has got the school the skills from the amateur and he's if he beats me it's a good name and he progressed quick. I can see it, but I'm gonna be the biggest banana skin that they've ever put out there. But I'm not looking to get on and follow his career. I'm probably looking at him following my career after I beat him. This is Andy Purawal for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by Jordan Gill over Zoom. Jordan, the evening after the night before now, um, obviously congratulations on your victory over Rhys Bellotti yesterday. Did you talk to me about the fight, Jordan? Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, it was a good fight. Um, you know, Rhys Bellotti is a solid domestic level featherweight um, and I expected a hard night. I think he'd give anyone a hard night and... Um, you know, I felt comfortable in there and um, I'd done what I had to do and won the fight and, um, you know, I controlled it with my left hand. I felt like I was never in danger, never in trouble. Um, you know, I picked and poked and, and worked on things that we were doing in the gym. Uh, Try not to do too much, but make sure that I dominate with that left hand. And, um, you know, midway through the rounds, uh, mid midway through the fight, I 
busted my right hand. Um, I've been and had an X-ray, and luckily it's not broken. So I've just said it's a soft tissue damage, and I'm uh, strapped up for a few weeks. But you know, it's nothing. A good uh, cup of tea won't sort out. I don't think. I'm sure you've been craving a cup of tea over these past seven months. Yeah, <laughs> as uh, I was saying to me, uh, to Dave and my dad um, the other day, said by the time that I weighed in, um, because our fight in March was cancelled, and um, obviously I rolled straight onto this camp uh, in seven months, I'll have had two weeks off uh, dieting and training and stuff. So in seven months, I'll have had two weeks off a, a diet plan, strict, a strict regime. So. You know, I'm ready for a good uh, week or two's rest and um, recovery to, to get back on and push on for another good performance. You've obviously deserved some uh, time off there, Jordan. But just to go back to the fight, obviously, last night, a very sleek and assured performance from yourself. Was you surprised all by maybe just how comfortable you felt in there after such a kind of lengthy layoff? Yeah, I think so. I think all, all things considered, I think, um, you know, it was a, it was a solid enough performance. Um, I felt like I was in sort of cruise control, like no disrespect to Reese Bellotti, um, but he didn't ask many questions of me to like to make me to step it up. So, you know, I was going back to the corner every round. I was waiting for the call for Dave to say, you right, go for the gears now. But he didn't. He said, you know, I'm pleased with what you're doing. So just keep on doing. So I kept on doing what I was doing. Um, I felt like I was winning the rounds comfortably. I think there was a couple of close rounds where you probably you might you might have given the round, but you know I think most people scored it eight two or nine one to me, which you know uh, over a championship distance over ten or twelve rounds you don't mind you know losing around here or there because you know what you're doing in them early rounds is going to take effect in the later rounds and and you you if you're feeling comfortable and you're working on things then you know um, you're in control. Obviously, you mentioned kind of you know scoring there from all of us. The, the scorecards on the night reading ninety seven, ninety three twice, and then a closer one of ninety six, ninety five. I asked David, you know, he was surprised by the scorecard, but it didn't really you know, matter to him. What was your thoughts on it? Yeah, well, I think if I'd be upset if it was ninety six, ninety five in the other way, yeah. um, because you know I can't see any case for for him uh, winning that fight, but. You know, it was, it's unanimous. A unanimous decision is a unanimous decision. Whether it's all subjective, isn't it? And you know, I I don't envy a judge's job because you know some rounds I look at when I watch people box and I score it completely different to somebody else. So you know, it's all subjective, like like you say. But you know, I don't think it was. A, I don't think there was a point in it. Like I think um, when I've looked at my phone and I've had hundreds and hundreds of messages and I've looked through the Twitter feed and you know a lot of people giving Phil Edwards some stick um saying who like comparing him to Stevie Wonder and stuff but you know you can't give him too much stick because you know it's a hard job and um I wouldn't want to be a referee or a judge or anyone because you know like what'd you get out of it <laughs> it's like you're only ever going to get sick aren't you but you know, we it all went our way. Um, we got you know decision. That's the main thing, and I, I respect every referee and every judge that that um, that is in the sport. Obviously, moving forwards, Jordan, you've just defeated you know a very competitive and a high level British opponent there. So, how do you kind of see the coming months or kind of the rest of this year playing out? Because what type of opposition do you feel you will be in the ring with next? Um, I'm not sure. I think it's down to Dave. Um, Dave will tell you, 
he never really asked me who I want to fight or then they, when they come up with Reese Blotty, he said, oh, will you fight Reese Blotty? He didn't even need to ask me. He knew I was going to say yes because, you know, I'd never turned down a challenge and, and it's down to Dave. Dave has sort of been the one that's sometimes wanting to hold me back because he knows I'll fight anyone and, and you know, there's a time and place for the right fights at the right time. So I feel like now I think me and Dave both agree in the fact that I'm ready to be let off the leash. I'm ready for 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 these big fights to be stepped up quickly because you know you're looking at Reese Bolotti. I think that was last night's performance from him was was great, and I think he's probably the the best he's ever been was last night because he's learnt from the defeats that he's had. He's he's, he's the most experienced he's ever been, and uh, you know he put eight. It was his last chance to learn, so he had nothing to lose and um, everything to gain from last night's performance. So we saw the best of Reese Bolotti last night, and I think. I probably beat him the most comfortable he's been beat in his career. Um, that's including uh, Ryan Walsh and, uh, and the other guys. Um, I know Ryan Doyle stopped him, but then I stopped Ryan Doyle. So, you know, I think I proved that I'm above um, sort of domestic level now uh, with the with the fact that I just didn't didn't even get going and, and controlled the fight. Um, like I said, no disrespect to Blighty, but, you know, he gave, he gave me a great fight. Um, but it could have been stepped up at any time, couldn't it? But I think... Moving forward, um, I'd like to look at European scene, um, whether it's European level um, for a European title or above that, they're looking at sort of top 10, 15 guys in, in the world and, you know, picking people that are maybe um, had a world title challenge or lost a world, the former world champions and moving towards them, them and goals and getting a world ranking because, you know, Eddie wants stars. Sky Sports wants stars and uh, they're crying out for people to, to headline shows and you know I, I'll sell out Peter I'll be in these big fights and I'm willing to do so I'm willing to to fight these big names and, and bring boxing back and um, you know I'm just glad that yesterday we was uh, given the opportunity to create history and and um, bring boxing back live to, to Sky Sports in Britain and you know it's an absolute pleasure and honour to do so and I feel very privileged so you know I can always say that was a part of history the first fight back on Sky Sports after the um, pandemic lockdown and um, something you'd be able to tell your grandkids. Just to touch on that, Jordan, obviously you mentioned bringing boxing back for, for certainly for Matchroom there and for, for Sky Sports. But what was kind of the atmosphere like? What was the entire settings like for yourself to boxing? The setting was unreal because it's, it felt like a, such an amazing event. Um, I didn't go to Saudi Arabia when Joshua boxed Ruiz um, in the rematch, but Dave did because he had Hopi Price on it. He said, you know, like the setup, the size of it, and the way it was set up was was very similar to that because obviously that was a small crowd as well. But um, last night, like the atmosphere was dead, completely dead. It was like a sparring session. So like, like I said, when I was boxing Peter and, and I sold the place out, uh, I remember hitting that Mexican kid with a couple of shots. And the crowd just erupted. And then I thought to myself, you know, oh, that, that just G's you up. And, you, and then you put a few shots together. Before you know it, these kids hit the floor again. And then you finish them off and it sort of just lifts you. And that wasn't there yesterday. So maybe that's why, um, you know, we boxed the waters. And that might help me in the fight. Because, you know, at least the last thing you want to do against a big puncher is take risks. So I don't know. Sometimes you can, you can make arguments for and against it. But. Um, there was there was no atmosphere and it was a bit like a sparring session but to be part of it and to see such an amazing um, event take place and um, like I said part of history was, was awesome 
Jordan, just a couple of quick ones before I let you go. Um, I don't suppose you managed to catch any of the rest of the card in particular, that headline fight between Sam Eggington and Ted Cheeseman. Yeah, no, do you know what? I didn't watch it, but I was, um, I was, because I went to a straight to hospital to get my hand x-ray. Um, so my dad was um, driving uh, to the hospital and I was checking Twitter all the way through and I was seeing the results of the lads. I see, obviously, um, Dalton Smith, who I think is going to be a superstar, um, knocked back um, Nathan Bennett out. See Fabio Ward, who looks like a real promising talent. He uh, won by knockout as well. And uh, Tennyson uh, done the business. And then um, it got to Cheeseman and Eggington. And every round I was looking at Twitter and it was like, oh, this has gone that way and it's gone this way. And it's a war and like, you don't know what's going to happen. And like, I'm waiting for the decision in anticipation. And that's just like, it's like the olden days when you, you're not even watching the fight, you listen to the radio. And it's just like, it's awesome because, um, you know, it creates anticipation, I think. The whole card um, provided is so much entertainment and I think it's exactly what, um, you know, we needed to bring British boxing back. And um, I think everybody involved can be really proud. I think Eddie Hearn, Frank Smith, Matchroom Boxing done a great job. Um, Sky Sports, unbelievable. Um, and the best thing is we've still got three weeks left of uh, action. Uh, final thing, Jordan, before I do let you go, like I say, the hairdo, the lucky hairdo, is it now? Is it here to stay? I don't know. I think what we're going to have to do is do a poll on the Instagram because I've got so many mixed reviews. Um, half people are saying, you need to get rid of it, mate. You look like a, a dosser. You look a bit uh, homeless. Um, some A lot of people uh, calling me uh, Wilfredo Gomez or Tommy Earns. And I'm just I'm like, half is people that people comparing me. I'm having to Google because I don't know who they are. But um, obviously, I know who Tommy Earns is. I'm not a complete bum. Um and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like it short because you know when it's long, it, you have a shower and it takes about half a day to dry because it's so <laughs> thick, and then it falls out everywhere and it makes a mess. And you have to get the old Dyson out. So I don't know. Um, I think we just have to wait and see how it goes. Well, Jordan, that's certainly a dilemma. But I'm I'm happy that I don't need to be <laughs> worried about. It. But I will leave you now to enjoy your day, like I say. Congratulations once again, mate. But before I let you go, in fact, final word to you. What would you like to say to everyone who tuned in to watch your fight last night? If you tuned in, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you uh, got value for money and was entertained. And uh, I promise to provide more entertainment and uh, more, a lot better performances than that in the coming years and uh, next fights. Uh, thank you for all your support, all the well wishes. All the congratulations, and uh, there's bigger and better things to come. Jordan, a pleasure to catch up with you. Obviously, enjoy your victory some more, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for speaking to Boxing Social. Cheers, Andy, mate. Take care. It's a fantastic spectacle to see boxing and to see anything that you're involved in. But where on earth did you think, do you know what? I'm just going to put it on in my back garden. When did that great moment dawn on you? I think once we realised how serious the pandemic was and how long this lockdown would take and before we returned, I think we just started thinking outside the box. I've always um, you know, looked out here and thought this would be a great place to host live sport. We've had media events here before with a ring in the garden. I just think people are more comfortable with performing, you know, hosting events, working on events outdoors at the moment. So had the idea about three or four months ago and slowly 
It's uh, gone into fruition probably about four or five weeks ago. We nearly jacked it in. It's difficult. You know, there are so mm. many barriers to overcome, whether it be distancing, whether it be testing, whether it be keeping the fighters in quarantine. But finally, Saturday night, we did it and it couldn't have gone better, to be honest with you. So it's great to see boxing back and hopefully we can keep pressing on. This will become a thing of the past in a couple of months and we can ret return to arenas. But of course, listening to your show so far, waves pending and all sorts. But we had to get on with it. We had to bounce back for our sport. And I think we did that in style, a global audience that loved what we delivered at Fight Camp here on Saturday. It was extraordinary, Eddie. Uh, I, you know, I know a few other producer, uh, promoters have put some events on. There's been events in the BT studios. There's been events here and there. But it was the scale of what you mm -hmm. did on Saturday night. I sat down, as you know, I love my boxing. I sat down to watch not just uh, the, the headline fight, which was just an extraordinary boxing combat, a uh, sort of meeting of these two fighters it was amazing. But it was the whole thing. Just talk everyone through the infrastructure, what you've put into place and the costs involved, considering you have mm. no audience there, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal. You know, obviously we, we drive a lot of revenue through the gate that doesn't exist anymore. So we know that luckily we've built a solid business over the last you know, 30 years here that can sustain this period. But we can't just come back with bland production and just sort of dribble the sport back. I'd rather not do it, to be quite honest with you. And I've seen boxing returning sort of dark, soulless studios. That's not for me. You know, we've built boxing off the razzmatazz and the great nights, and everybody loves the Anthony Joshua fights with 90,000 people and singing and dancing, a few beers and Sweet Caroline, but that doesn't exist at the moment. But we're not competing right now, I don't feel, against other promoters. We're competing against other sports. So I wasn't prepared to sit back and just let boxing dwindle out the fire that we've built so hard over that last 10 years. I wanted to come back with a bang. So we did go a little bit OTT, the fireworks, <laughs> the pyrotechnics and stuff like that. But I know that people looked on from around the world and said, wow, you know, mm. boxing is a major sport. And I'm very passionate about the sport of boxing. I feel like it's the greatest sport of all. So you know, we're working hard on that. In terms of the infrastructure here, obviously you see a, a large build behind me. The lawn's not going to look too great after a, a couple of weeks of that. But the biggest challenge really is bringing fighters into this, what's now known as the bubble in sports. So today, uh, this week, Fight Camp Week 2 is on Friday night. So the fighters will arrive at the hotel down the road today. They will be tested. They will then be, go to their room. They won't be able to leave their room until they receive a negative test result. Then they will be allowed out just within the hotel, which is among people who have also tested negative, And that's what we call the bubble. So the fight week activity, you know, the training, the press conferences, the weigh-in, all our matchroom boxing YouTube content, Sky Sports, etc., will be filmed down there in the bubble. And then on Friday night, they make their way here. And you know, Ben, you know how tough the sport of boxing is. I wanted to build a platform for them and a stage for them to go out and achieve, you know, to thrive, to peak and try and achieve their dreams. And I think what we saw on Saturday was fighters who were pumped to perform here. And we got a great, great spectacle. And I just feel that in a soulless studio, performing and even staging events without spectators is difficult enough. You know, for, like I said, from a live event feel, the spectators are, you know, virtually everything in terms of the production and the energy of an event. So it's very difficult to do that without. I feel like we're off to a great start, um, taking on the feedback and improving for this Friday. Yeah, so it's this Friday, and then you go on towards the 22nd of August, which is actually a box office night because you've got an extraordinary lineup there: Dillian White uh, fighting Alexander Povetkin, and of course. Uh, the fight that I'm really excited about because we had Katie in after she beat Pursoon last time. Katie Taylor fighting again. It's the rematch of that fight that happened in New York that lots of people felt 
that Katie was lucky to get away with the result. Um, I heard you talking about this, about how it would be very easy for Katie to duck this fight. She doesn't need to beat her again. But actually, because it's Katie Taylor, she wants to prove to everybody it was the result, right result. I mean, that the climax of fight camp is going to be a huge night, isn't it? And all in your back garden, Annie. Yeah, I mean, four weeks in total, obviously, we've just done Saturday. This Friday, actually, is the first ever British all-women's world championship fight between Terry, Hap Terry Harper and Natasha Jonas. And then we go next Friday as well. And then Saturday, August 22nd, it's the big finale. Dillian White against Alexander Povetkin. And as you said, Katie Taylor against Delphine Pursoon, which, you know, had 20,000 people on their feet at Madison Square Garden last June. One of the best fights I've ever witnessed live. And, you know, she wants to take the challenge on again. Like you said, there are people who believe she didn't win that fight and she wants to prove them wrong. And it's amazing, Ben, to be, you know, I was standing here on Saturday thinking, Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin and Katie Taylor will rematch Pursoon there. You know, it, it's, 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 it's so strange when you're here yeah. to see world championship boxing here in this environment. But it's the world we live in. You've got to expect the unexpected. You've got to think on your feet. We hope this isn't the new norm, but we hope in the meantime we can bring boxing back to extraordinary levels and everyone can enjoy it at home. Well, it's a great idea. Now, Anthony Joshua is one of your fighters, um, isn't he? Tyson Fury, I understand a deal has been done. They are going to fight each other. Do you have a date? Would this happen in the back garden, Eddie? Uh, well, I, <laughs> I'd love it to, but I think uh, we, we need to wait for crowds to come back for that one. So both guys have agreed, but both guys have those interim fights as well. Anthony Joshua's got to fight Kubrat Pulev probably in December, and Tyson Fury has to rematch Deontay Wilder probably in December as well. But both guys have agreed to two fights Next year, I think you'll see the first one of those in the summer. As we know with boxing politics, you've got Dillian White is actually the mandatory challenger for Tyson Fury as well, if he can beat Alexander Povetkin here on August the 22nd. So I think we need the world to calm down uh, before we can bring back that undisputed fight. But, you know, hopefully we can return to normality later this year. And in the meantime, we can keep boxing thriving with events like these. Well, looking forward to Friday night. Can't wait for the 22nd as well, Eddie. I mean, you say it's a little bit OTT, but you're in the heart of Essex. Nothing's over the top in Essex. <laughs> I don't Eddie. go anywhere without That's a That's just a standard Friday night, isn't it? It's the only way. It's the only way. <laughs> uh, Eddie, great to see you. Thank you for hanging around. And also, we're thrilled that you got through a live TV interview without swearing as well. That Everyone was on tenterhooks here after your... Shamal! <laughs> <Don't worry. laughs> it made me love I'm you still, even I'm never going to live it down. I was, I was down my road yesterday and I went past someone on a bike and he just he leant out the window and shouted, Shamal! And then the, <laughs> the obscenities as well. So... Listen, it is what it is. As long as I can put a smile on your face, I don't mind. You certainly <laughs> did. It's going to be the catchphrase that stays with you. Eddie, thank you for joining us. Uh, and best of luck with the rest of Fight Club as well. Thanks, guys. Danny Flexen, welcome to the latest edition of Seconds Out Reflections. We're here every Monday at 4.30pm to look back on recent events in the world of boxing. And as I said in Flexpectations last week, for the first time in a long time, there were two UK events over the same weekend, which shows that the sport is finally coming back to some level of normality after the COVID-19 pandemic and ensuing lockdown. Still no fans allowed, of course, um, behind closed doors, or at least in one case, um, outdoors um, and 
They were both good. I enjoyed both shows, um, particularly the second one, but we'll talk about that. First off was Frank Warren's show, latest show at BT Studios, headlined by Dex Bellman, challenging for the Commonwealth Light Heavyweight title against Lyndon Arthur. Arthur, pretty comfortable actually. I thought it'd be a closer fight than it was. Dictated really well behind a really fast, long jab. Um, didn't get involved unnecessarily and took a clear decision over Spellman. Star of the undercard though was Keevan Ajarko, multi-titled Irish amateur and now a pro unbeaten, going places. Went up against Jez Smith, short notice opponent, coming up from welterweight. Um, showed real tenacity, dogged determination, hung in there longer than most people would have expected given some of the shots that Ajarko has landed. And indeed, Smith landed some of his own too. It wasn't a one-sided fight necessarily, but there were real flashes of world-class um, skill in there from Ajarko at times. The way he moved around the target, the way he picked some of his shots, the shot selection particularly, was impressive. Um, and Black Thunder, as he is known, looks to be going places. And also routine wins for the three Everton Red Triangle pros, all unbeaten, on the undercard. And then we move on to fight camp. Now, two of the fights out of five were particularly good. Um, the other three weren't any worse than average. So match quality was higher. But I think the real masterstroke, if that's what you want to call it, from Eddie Hearn, was making the whole concept and the venue an attraction in itself. I think that's something that not only has uh, Frank Warren not done with BT Studios necessarily, I don't think Top Rank have done it in the US with their shows either, in the bubble. I think he's taken something that really was convenient, you know, staging shows on a massive plot of land that his family already owned, um, and that's quite picturesque. So, you know, quite a logical thing to do when you think about it, although I didn't predict it. I think it was him that predicted it, uh, him that kind of uh, conceived it. But he's taken that and he's made a positive of it and sold it off the back of it. Newspapers covering it, TV. I think he was on Good Morning Britain reflecting on it this morning, reflecting, stealing my gig. Um, and just made it a big thing, you know, fights in Eddie Hearn's back garden. It seems quaint, it seems uh, creative and innovative. And I give him credit for that because it's become almost as big as the fights. And I think that will see him and Matchroom well over the next couple of weeks. Because while the first show has some really good fights on it, and the fourth show is, of course, the pay-per-view headlined by Dillian White against Alexander Povetkin, the two in the middle, while good for the purists and the boxing hardcore fans, some good fights on there, they don't have quite the same names as the two that bookend the, the series. So I think it's going to be carried through by that fight camp concept, the venue, and, you know, fighters fighting in the back garden of Matchroom HQ. It's all pretty cool. And in the ring, it pretty much delivered as well. Dalton Smith looked every inch the can't-miss prospect um, against Nathan Bennett and what was a step up for Smith, although you wouldn't necessarily have known it. Bennett was really good, determined, capable, good, good fighter, but Smith was just on another plane, I think it's fair to say. And when he dispatched uh, Bennett with one of the best shots I've seen this year, he was quick to check if he was all right. He looked very scared for a while, but Bennett recovered fine and Smith was very concerned, which says a lot about him as a person. Jordan Gill fought a very disciplined performance um, to outpoint Reese Bellotti in what could have been a you know a banana skin and was avoided by Gill sticking rigidly to a game plan that was very effective, constantly offsetting Bellotti's rhythm. Uh, Simon Valilli may have come to the end of the road, a former star amateur with GB, looked 
largely disinterested in what he'd said beforehand was a make or break fight for the English heavyweight title against Fabio Wardley. Wardley got rid of him in three rounds, did what he had to do, looked smooth, uh, moved well. Again, he's on the way up. Uh, we also saw, um, I want to get to the main event obviously in a minute, but we also saw James Tennyson win the vacant British lightweight title with a six round stoppage over Gavin Gwynn. It looked like it was going to become a real you know, watchable war of attrition. It was for a couple of rounds, but then Tennyson found the burst to end matters in round six. But before that, it looked like it could go long and that Gwynn was really standing up to some big shots and working his way back into the fight. So it was delicately poised, but Tennyson did what champions are supposed to do and distinguished himself from the opposition at the right time. And you could tell with his celebrations afterwards just how much the victory meant to him. So well done to James. And he's now looking at a possible European title fight. Um, I think that's just recently been made vacant. There'll be um, two guys fighting for it and he'll look to fight the victor in that one and move up towards potentially another world title shot, this time at £135. Main event was a cracker, uh, one of the better fights of 2020. I know there hasn't been as many as there is on a standard year. And the 12th and final round when the fight hung in the balance as far as both fighters knew was probably the best round I've seen in a British ring this year. Ted Cheeseman pipped Sam Eggington um, in a fight that toed and froed or ebbed and flowed, I'm not sure what um, figurative language I need to use at this point, but really, really watchable, engrossing fight. Um, not harmed at all, I didn't think, by the lack of fans or lack of atmosphere. Um, I had it a draw at the end. Um, I think I had it, yeah, six rounds apiece. Um, but the men who mattered, the judges, had it to Cheeseman unanimously. Uh, three point margins for two of them and one point for the third judge. Um, I thought early on Cheeseman was getting the better of things. I thought he mixed up his boxing and moving with his um, aggression quite nicely. But then he seemed to tire in the second half of the contest as he had against Scott Fitzgerald. And as he started to fade a little bit, Eggington really brought it on and um, seemed to pick up a lot of rounds in that period in the middle. But then towards the end, I think Cheeseman got his second wind and that saw him over the finish line with the judges on their scorecards. He'll now have a well-deserved break and look to see what he wants to do next. Still very young, of course, um, and has lost previously for the European title, but could come again. There's talk already of a fight between him and Anthony Fowler, if Fowler gets past Adam Harper in his own fight camp test. Eggenson felt he was unlucky, um, and a lot of people that um, commented on social media felt the same. Um, but again, he can come again. He's lost his IBF, bit like high IBF ranking to Cheeseman, but he'll always be in demand because he's summarily in you know, great fights to watch. And again, he's still very young as well. You'd maybe like to see him get a couple of easy nights before he comes back in with another tough test. I really enjoyed both shows. What I really want to know is what you guys thought. Um, how did you have Eggington Cheeseman? Who did you think should have won? What did you think of the two shows? What do you think of the whole fight camp concept? Stroke of genius? Bit corny? What, what's your view? It'd be great to hear what you think, especially people in the US as well. It'd be nice to know what you think. If there's been any buzz at all, really, about the fight camp idea in the US. Not so much just watching the shows, but are people talking about it? I have no idea, so it'd be good to know. I'll see you on Thursday for Flexpectations, 4.30pm, and the next Reflections next week, Monday, um, at the same time. As always, been a pleasure, and I'll see you all soon. Cheers.
Don't be shy, cause I, life won't bring you down too far. This, this is Coombe Cassis for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Delighted to be joined by all the way in Queensland, Australia, Taylor Robertson. How are you, Taylor? Yeah, good, thanks. So, it's 10 o'clock at night where you are. It's 1 o'clock here. So, we were never going to yeah. find a time that was kind of... <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> it's tricky. Convenient. Uh, but I appreciate your time. Um, Taylor, What what's the situation regarding kind of the pandemic in Australia at the moment? Well... In some of our states, like Victoria and like Melbourne and New South Wales, et cetera, they're still in lockdown. But our state has been like, they've closed the borders off, but our state's um, almost coronavirus free. So we've, we've got pretty loose restrictions, which is good. We're having fights in Queensland now, which is great. Right. Uh, any fans at the fights? Yeah. Yeah, we're allowed crowds. It depends on like the per square metre, but there's still like a fair few... It's like a hundred people to a certain amount of square meters. So we've got the Horn versus Zoo fight coming up and that's got a fair bit of a crowd there at the stadium. Good, good, good. So when were you originally meant to fight during this kind of period? Um, I was supposed to fight in May. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So do you know when that's been postponed till? Um, I was speaking to Mike today and he said we'd either have something maybe in October or November. Okay. So that's what he's focusing towards at the moment. But that will be in Australia, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'd love to branch out, but that's um, up to Mike and my management and coronavirus, I guess. Absolutely. Um, have you been to the UK before? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've done some training over there in the amateurs. Um, stopped through London and... Um, a little bit, um, we went to Ireland and we did a few stopovers on the way, so. Okay. So you're yeah. a little bit travelled. You're only, what, 22? Yeah, yeah. I fought in uh, Europe and UK a lot as an amateur. Okay. One of the builders is knocking on my car door. Could you hold on one second? <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Oh, my God, I've actually locked myself in. Wait. <laughs> Oh, my God, I've actually locked myself in. <laughs> I actually can't get out. Oh, my God. Is there not a button? I've actually locked myself in. I'm so sorry about this. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, my God. He doesn't know. Is he just standing up. there? Oh, my God. <laughs> What do I do? <laughs> I'm locked in. <laughs> Taylor, I'm really sorry about this. <laughs> okay. Oh! Could Got you it? One second. Hold on one second. I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, go for Hold it. On. That's okay. Right, just picking this back up for the third time with Taylor Robinson. Taylor, I'm very sorry. And I apologise. It's all good. It's like the builders here <laughs> what they're doing in here. 
So they just think I'm just <laughs> in the back of my car with a laptop. They don't know actually that I'm doing an interview. So I'm <laughs> having to explain it to them and they're just knocking on the door for things anyway. So <laughs> let's pick this back up. So yeah, originally uh, you were meant to be fighting in May. You spoke to Mike. Hopefully come sort of October time, you'll be back out in the ring. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're aiming for at the moment. So long as there's no more lockdowns or anything. Absolutely. Um, so talk to us a little bit about how you even become a professional boxer. Like, what was your first moment to realise that this was the sport for you? Um, as in boxing or professional boxing? Well, boxing. Start with boxing. Boxing? Um, well, I was always like a little tomboy as a little girl. So the idea of the sport appealed to me. But um, I think I was like... 10 or 11 or 12 I think about 11 and um I saw signs for it in a gym on the way home from school and um originally started doing it. I wanted to build my confidence up as a young kid um, um I wanted to be a strong girl and I wanted to be able to defend myself and um have a bit more of an edge about me and I found boxing would um deliver that so as soon as I tried the first class, the kids' class I did, I fell in love with it and became addicted to the sport within the first week. <laughs> was there something specific that happened where you thought there was a turning point in those kind of early years of your life where you thought, do you know what, this is what I want to do? Was there a specific moment? Um, I, had an ex I had my first spa um, and it was against some of the boys because there was no girls in the gym. and um, I think my first bar is when I realized how much I really loved it. And as soon as I had my first bar, I was asking, I was only like three weeks in the gym. I was already asking um, the coach if I could have a fight and if I could do this and that. And I was only like 30 kilos. So I had like, <laughs> there was no girls at all. So me trying to get fights for the first few years was so hard. Like I was having exhibitions with boys and girls, 25 kilos heavier than me. I was just trying to get in the ring with anyone in an exhibition. Right, okay, so yeah, um, that's quite a, a weight difference at that age as well. Yeah, yeah, but I had fun. <laughs> so, you're, I mean, you're, you're starting your professional career at a very good time for women's boxing. It's the strongest it's ever been, especially over here in the UK yeah. and also in America. So, it is a real good time for yourself to be turning professional. And I know you've had one fight now. But, um, yeah, yeah, good times. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. It's really exciting watching the professional, the professional scene, especially in the UK at the moment. I'm a big fan of Katie Taylor, and that division's starting to get some, some heat in it now too, so it's kind of exciting. Absolutely. She was obviously scheduled to fight uh, Amanda Serrano, a fight that we were all looking forward to. She's now rematching uh, Delphine Pearson, uh in yeah. this time, so that should be interesting. She got... Uh, a few critics around that fight. A lot of people believe that she didn't win that fight, so she wants to go and put the record straight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm always going to be a Katie Taylor fan, so <laughs> she's probably my idol from the start of my career. So, rightfully yeah. so. She's a lot of not just female boxers, but she's she's going to be an inspiration to many people. What she's achieved in her career. Yeah, so. yeah. Are there any uh, other fighters from the UK that you're kind of aware of? Um, 
I'm aware of um, Savannah Marshall. Yeah. And um, Terry Harper and her opponent, Tash Jonas, so Mike's also managing. Um, uh, I do. I've been following a few now. Um, of course, there was Nicola Adams, but I don't think she's boxing anymore. No. Um, she was also another idol because she was, yeah, two-time Olympic gold medalist. So she was always someone who I looked up to as well. Yeah, a lot of the UK has got some good girls. <laughs> Obviously, Terry Harper and Natasha Jonas in action this Friday. Uh, Britain's first ever all-female world title, uh, which is happening in promoter Eddie Hearn's back garden. Did you watch any of that from the weekend? Um, I watched bits and pieces, but I was out away on the weekend, so I wasn't um, by my laptop at all. But I did come back and watch a few bits and pieces. Nothing, like, just on social media. Yeah, of course. But, um, yeah, yeah. boxing returned for, for, for Matchroom here uh, in, the, in Eddie Hearn's back garden, which was uh, quite interesting to watch with no crowd there, but they put on a show there. So, yeah, boxing yeah. starting to creep back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's exciting. I like it. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, training-wise for you at the moment then, are you just keeping yourself ticked over until you've got an official date confirmed? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm still training full-time at the moment, just making sure I'm ready as soon as I can get an opponent. I think the hardest part is getting an opponent because um, it's it's really difficult because I, I, I I've, as I'm finding out, as I'm new to the professional scene, that people can just pick and choose their opponents and people can say no to fights. And, and um, yeah, people don't want to take risks. Um, and it's really hard being a professional fighter because I'm right now willing to get in Australia, willing to get in there with anyone in my weight division. Mm. But it's just really difficult to to get the fight, I guess. What so else? we're just waiting till we can... Yeah, I understand that. What else do you do apart from boxing then? To um, sounds a bit silly question because you are a professional fighter, but do you work anywhere else or do you do anything else? Yeah, I do personal training and group fitness classes, and um, yeah, that's sort of my side hustle as a secondary. Get gets me by and pays the bills. So, but yeah, definitely putting all my eggs into my fight career first. Um, yeah, absolutely. But in time, I'm sure all that will be. Well, the boxing will be the, the sole and only focus of your life. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I got a scholarship into university and I had a lot of options. But um, when I got the scholarship, I was already traveling the world in the amateurs. So I had no time to do university. I was in a new country almost every month last year. So I couldn't stop and get back and sit in classes and stuff. So it was really hard. And then... Um, I don't know, when I turned pro, I thought that was going to be my opportunity to focus on a career as well outside of boxing. Yeah. So you got that more of that leeway in your own fight camp to to structure it around making money as, as well. So, yeah, that's where I started to fit in some more work and everything like that when I turned pro. Okay, okay. Um, I think, you know, uh, knowing Mike Altamura over the years, I think he's desperate to have a fight. I don't know about you, but I think he's desperate to get... Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, no, I think he definitely is. I think he was calling out Eddie Hearn, wasn't he? He was calling out Eddie Hearn. I think he actually, he, he made some videos of him, like, doing some training. I don't know if he was on the bag or the ball, I can't remember. But he kept sending them to me saying, 
tell where the old <laughs> fight him and putting these crazy kind of figures um, <laughs> lure Eddie Hearn into the ring. But um, when they were together, he kind of mentioned it, but I think he slowed down with the wanting to fight Eddie Hearn at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hope he gets, gets it one day, gets in the ring. <laughs> I think he's offered to fight him at some point as well. Oh, really? Is it going to happen? I'm certain at some point of me knowing Mike Altamura, he is offered to fight me. So, we'll see. <laughs> oh, but maybe it'll happen. happen. No, Mike can't afford me. Definitely can't. So, um, <laughs> joking. Um, all right, well, listen, Taylor, I know it's, uh, it's late there and it's early for me here, so I appreciate you kind of being up and, and doing this interview, a little introductory interview to the IFL TV viewers, and hopefully ahead of your next fight we'll get to grab a word of you then as well yeah no that'll be awesome okay I, um have you got anything else you'd like to add before we finish um no i just i'm hoping to make a big stamp on the pro scene um and be a, a face female fighting in australia um carry the mpk global banner um proudly with me and um yeah i just really want to say that I'm I'm willing to fight anyone to get get my way to the top so okay it's a good thing to end on uh Taylor Robinson thank you very much for talking to IFL TV and like I said hopefully we'll catch up with you again in the not so near future yeah <laughs> thank you very okay. much